And now we're going to invite Lauren Mayfield up to teach us this morning. And she is a member of our teaching team. She is on our board. She leads a compassion ministry. And we are just so thankful to have her as a member of our community. And you'll enjoy her teaching this morning. Awesome. Well, I'm ex super excited to be teaching today. This is going to be a very exciting Sunday. I know it already is. Um, I think one of the reasons I was asked to do this is that I teach elementary school, so I'm used to kids, talk, people talking when I'm talking. <laughs> um, so uh, I know there'll be a lot going on, but we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome and excited to join us today, huh? You excited to be here today? <laughs> awesome. Okay, so yeah, you can sit with me. That'd be great. Okay, cool. <laughs> so... Um, Again, I work in an elementary school. Uh, every morning we have a whole school assembly called morning meeting. And everybody comes together and uh, we do announcements, we do the pledge, uh, we talk about what's gonna happen during the day. And one of the things that I really enjoy is listening to kindergartners say the Pledge of Allegiance. So I know that uh, like prayer in school has been kind of a hot topic. And at our school, we have a bunch of kids that say the Pledge of Jesus every morning. So they say, I pledge of Jesus to the flag of the United States of America every single day. Um, and then I'd also, I've learned that we uh, need to support the right of everyone in our country to d drink juice um, because our pledge guarantees liberty and juices for all. <laughs> so when kids are saying these things, they're trying to understand what our national saying means and make meaning for themselves. So to them, this country is about liberty and juice. It's, it makes sense to them. Um, but this can happen with spiritual things as well. And so as children, sometimes we try to imitate things, but we can miss the point and just imitate them if they haven't been explained or modeled for us. And so that's why days like today are so very important, because we get to model to everyone what worship is and what it should look like. Uh, John Piper is a pastor of a, a big church in Minnesota, I believe, and um, he said it this way. He said, the aim is that children catch the passion for worshiping God by watching mom and dad enjoy God week after week. What would be the impact if for 12 years the children saw dad with his face in his hands praying during the prelude to worship? What would be the impact if they saw mom and dad beaming with joy and singing the praises of God? Just think of it. Millions and millions of children never see their parents sing, let alone sing songs with joy to a great God. So this is a different service. This is a different weekend. But we still come to honor um, and worship our great, great God. So I'm going to do a shorter message today, but we're still going to dig into the word and see what God has to say to us. We know this weekend is not going to be perfect, um, but we do want to make sure that everyone feels welcomed and that we model our love uh, for God and our heart for worship to every single person here in the room. So we're going to roll with it this week. Um, we're going to talk about how we can build community across multi-generational lines by looking at three types of questions that Jesus asks during his life. So three ways he asks questions to gain new information or pull information out of other people. So the first type of question he asks is uh, asking good questions to, to learn from each other. 
So a lot of you know the story of Jesus at the temple as a kid. Um, as Jesus would grow, was growing up, like everyone around Jerusalem, they go to the temple for the yearly Passover festival. So you guys might, this story might be familiar to you. But then one year when Jesus was 12, his parents realized he wasn't with them as they were heading home. And so this is what uh, it says. It says, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. We will try not to lose any kids for three days at this potluck today, I promise. Um, but I'm sure it was pretty busy there, uh, so it took them three days. And it says they found him sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, when I visualize this verse, I always imagine little Jesus sitting in the middle and all these white-haired Jewish rabbis sitting around him, listening and learning from him. But that's not what this passage says. It says he was sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. So even Jesus, who knew everything, especially about God, wanted to hear what other people had to say about the topic that he knew the most about, his father God. Jesus starts his ministry not preaching to others, but asking questions. So Jesus, the smartest child that ever existed, asked questions and wanted to learn from those who were older than him. So how much more should we, who don't know everything, ask questions from those who are older than us? So we can ask others what they think and why they think it. We can ask how they've seen the world change. And more importantly, how they're thinking about God and the world has grown and changed over time. So I say we ask good questions. We gain as much knowledge and insight as we can from those around us and then use that to move forward in bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. So if Jesus could sit and listen to his elders for a while, we can definitely do the same. Another type of question we hear in the gospel is questions that Jesus asks to encourage growth. And this is kind of what most of his questions are. Uh, he asks these questions when people are trying to trick him or he just, they ask him a simple question and he returns it with a question. Um, let's take a look at how he does this in Matthew 22. So in this one, uh, it says the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. So when you look at the people who came, I think it's interesting because first we have the Pharisees and their disciples. So these are religious elites. Um, then, along with them, are supporters of Herod. So Herod was the regional governor, so these are actually some of the political elites, so the people who wrote, uh, run in those political circles uh, in the upper levels. So you have political and religious leaders trying to trap Jesus. And so they say to him, Teacher, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. So basically really kissing up to Jesus. It says, now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, we've, you guys have probably heard this story before. 
And you know that what he's trying to, or what they're trying to do, is trap Jesus by drawing him into the biggest political debate of the time. And that was Israel's relationship with Rome. So Rome ruled over Israel, um, and they really didn't, Rome kind of had a loose hold on their people in the sense that they didn't force them to live by the Roman religion, but they said you can freely practice your religion as long as you do three things. You need to keep your people in check, keep the peace, you need to obey our overarching Roman laws, and you need to pay taxes. As long as you can do those three things, we're not going to bother your religious practices. So, if he said you shouldn't pay taxes, then he's setting himself up as a political rebel. He's threatening the status quo that allowed them to, re to um, maintain religious peace in their community. But then on the other hand, uh, the Old Testament is full of stories of liberators. And so many of the people of Israel were hoping that Jesus would be one of these liberators, that he would lead them in a rebellion against the Roman Empire and allow them then to rule themselves. The Pharisees wanted to make people lose hope in Jesus by him answering the question incorrectly or the way they wouldn't have wanted him to answer us. But then at the same time, he ends up disturbing the peace, shaking up the religious establishment, if he says they shouldn't pay taxes. So what does Jesus do? He answers their question with a question and then forces them to grapple with the heart behind their opinions and their actions. It says, but Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed him, them, and they went away. So Jesus changes the subject by asking another question. He doesn't ever say if you should, give, if you should pay your taxes or not. He just says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So by turning this question around with this other question, we have to examine ourselves and our attitudes about what really matters, what does belong to Caesar, and what does belong to God. Uh, we have to decide for ourselves what to give to God and what to give to the world, where to draw the line between what honors God and what doesn't. And then we have to grow because we've had to think for ourselves. I've been thinking a lot about this response in the past few days um, with the current news cycle that's going on. Because what I think is so interesting is that Jesus does not answer the issue itself, but rather he's focused on examining our own motives in the moment. So he makes us think about why we believe what we believe. He holds up a mirror and he asks if our response is honoring God. Are we giving to God what belongs to God? And then I think by extension, are we showing love to our neighbor? And if that question then makes us uncomfortable or we can't answer it, then we have to do what the Pharisees and the political leaders did. We have to go away, sit with ourselves, and decide if what we believe really honors God. Our actions and our responses have to be fueled by love for God and love for others. And if we can't say that's what's driving us in the moment, then we can't claim we have the right answers. So God asks people uh, questions to help them grow in the Old Testament as well. 
Okay, so kids, I'm gonna need you guys to help me out a little bit, okay? Raise your hand. Grown folks, you can raise your hand too if you know the story of Jonah. Okay, you guys know the story of Jonah? Good, good. I'm gonna need you guys to help me. So, Jonah uh, is sent by God to talk to the people of Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh were the bad guys, right? They were messing with the Jewish people. They attacked them sometimes, stole from them sometimes. And this made the Jewish people angry, but it also really hurt God's heart. And so God wanted to send Jonah to go warn the people of Nineveh that they needed to change their ways. And so, y'all, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Did Jonah do what God asked him to do? Did he go to, the Nin- to, go to Nineveh? Nope, thumbs down, right? He said, nope, peace out, y'all do your own thing. But then, what happened to Jonah on the way? Who knows, what happened to Jonah on the way? Good, he gets followed by a big fish. And how many days does he stay in the fish's stomach? Everybody, y'all can all tell me. Three days, right? Three days, and then he gets coughed up or barfed up, or I don't know, up on the shore, right? And then he goes and tells the people of Nineveh what they did, that they're, what they're doing is wrong. And the people of Nineveh change their ways. They start doing the right thing. And so Jonah should be really excited. But was Jonah excited? Shake your head yes or no. Was Jonah excited about the people of Nineveh doing the right thing? No. So many of you guys know this story, right? He gets really mad. And so God, instead of just fussing at him, asks him a question to help him think about how he feels about the people of Nineveh. God says, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And you know what's really cool is that the book of Jonah ends right there. We don't know what Jonah's response is. It's the very last verse in the book. So just like Jesus left the Pharisees to decide what the right response was, God leaves us to decide whether we should care about our enemies and want God's best for them. God asks us the question, and we have to decide how we're going to answer. And I think we could get better about doing this for others. Usually when we disagree with someone or we think that we're going the wrong way, we have two reactions. We either clearly state to them why they're wrong and what they should do instead. Or we say, man, it's just not worth it. We roll our eyes, we tell our friend about them, and we say, but we never say anything to them. There's got to be a middle way. And this isn't what we see Jesus or the Father doing. They see the heart of the issue, and they ask a pointed question to reveal the right course of action and get people reflecting on what they're doing and thinking for themselves. So I think the way toddlers ask why over and over again, we should get into a better habit of pressing pause on our need to give advice and share what we think about something and instead allow people to express what they are feeling and thinking at the time. You know, sometimes we do know more than other people or we have an experience that we can share with another person to help them understand, but we should still let people think through challenges for themselves. I think we do better responding to questions and coming to conclusions for ourselves rather than sitting through a lecture. So let's make sure we're giving people the opportunity to do that too. You know, this is hard because we don't always know where people are going to end up, but we also need to trust the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit speaks a better word than we can to people's hearts. 
So, but sometimes we don't know, see the heart of the issue. Sometimes we can't come up with just the right question to get people thinking. So in that case, maybe we just need to be better listeners. And this brings us to the third type of question we see being asked. So we talked about questions to learn. We talked about questions to encourage growth. And now we're going to talk about asking good questions to let people talk when they are hurting and reveal what's going on. And honestly, I think this is the one we need to do the most of. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Mary uh, sees Jesus for the first time after his resurrection. Mary is looking everywhere for Jesus, but just can't seem to find him. Then it says she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? So in this moment, Jesus is the answer. He's the solution. He's who she's looking for. But he doesn't jump in and save her and give her the right answer right away. He lets her speak for herself. She says she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Christ let others speak and share before he does. And I wonder if we do this enough. I wonder if we let people talk through what they're feeling before we give them the answers or advice that we think might solve it. Uh, he does this with other questions as well. He lets people tell him what they think of him. Uh, in John 11, he's speaking to Martha, whose brother has just died. And he shares with her how he's the resurrection and the life, and that people will be raised after dying, but he knows Martha just needs to share. So he asks her, do you believe this, Martha? And in that moment, because she gets to share and think for herself, she can respond, yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. He does it for his disciples as well. In Matthew, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they know what they're supposed to say, what the answers are supposed to be, but Jesus wants to know what's going on in their hearts. He says, who do you say I am? And then they get to answer, Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So... He starts with what other people may believe, what they might think. And instead of saying, well, they're all wrong, the answer is, I'm the Messiah. He wants to know what those around, how those around him feel. He lets them give their thoughts when they, he says, who do you say I am? So often, I think we wonder what other people are thinking or what's going on in their brains. Like Jesus, we should probably just ask them. And wait for their response before we jump in with what we're thinking. So a good way to do this is with sentence starters. So in school, we have this thing called accountable talk, and it's uh, a way that you get kids talking uh, and hearing what other people think. And so we use a sentence stem to help us get other people talking. So we're gonna learn some sentence stems today. We're gonna do some repeat after me. Okay? The first one, uh, and these are just questions, ways you can start a sentence to get people to talk rather than just you know, saying, oh, I'm fine or whatever. So the first one is, you guys are going to repeat after me. What's going on with? What's going on with? Very good. 
Um, how do you feel about? Very nice, very good. What happened with? And uh, what do you think about? Good, so great job. So these sentence starters don't bring us to a yes or no answer to people. They don't make people say I'm fine or things are going okay, but they give others an opportunity to share what's going on in their hearts. So when we do this, we wanna be, let others speak first, be quick to listen, and slow to respond. Or as James said, he said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So let's consider others more important than ourselves. Let's ask them good questions, no matter what age they are, and actually listen to their answers. Uh, with that, we're gonna do some practical tips, and we're gonna continue with our worship service. So, Conveniently, you can practice these practical tips right after service today at our potluck. I'm gonna encourage you guys to ask all three types of questions this week. So we talked about questions uh, that help us learn, questions that help encourage growth, and then questions that let people reveal what's going on within. So the first one, when we think about asking a question to learn, is think about someone older than you and ask them about something in their life. You can use some sentence sims. What do you think about this? What happened with? Tell me about this. The second one was to encourage growth. And when we do this, we always need to start with ourselves first. We want to examine our own hearts to see why we believe the way that we believe. And then from that place of love, talk to someone who we disagree with and ask them why they believe what they believe. And then finally, we ask questions to let others talk and reveal what's going on. And this works for anyone in our lives. Ask them about their lives and attentively listen to their answer. Don't give them advice, just help them walk through what they're feeling. Um, with that, we're going, to, uh, we're going to pray real quick and then Dan's going to come up and finish out our service. So let's bow our heads and pray. Um, God, we thank you that, uh, that you let us speak. You let us ask you questions, God, and you respond in love to us. God, I pray right now as uh, we think about the people in our community, help us really want to know what's going on in their hearts, really want to know and hear from them. God, help us ask good questions this week to grow in our love for one another as a community. In your name we pray, amen. <laughs>